0: People say that i threw my brain away that i'm a logical and don't have much to
1: Well, thank you all again for joining us on this episode of the Freed Thinker podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Vela. On this episode, I'm joined by my friend Colton Carlson uh, from some Facebook groups and some uh, different discussions uh, interacting with questions about Calvinism and the nature of the will and so on uh, and so forth. Uh, and he will be uh, joining me today to talk about an article that our mutual friend Tim Stratton wrote in response to us, so uh, without further ado, let's uh, get on with getting on. So, uh, Colton, thank you for for joining us. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. Well, uh,
1: you know, some people don't know, but we we recorded this already about a week and a half ago, and because I'm awesome with technology, when I was converting the file, it overwrote the original file. So uh, that 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 uh, two hours of what would have been the best podcast content in the world is is now the world will never know how fantastic that was uh but here we are we're 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 reliving the dream we're redoing it um and we are going to be uh we're going to be discussing this article by tim stratton but before we do that uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh and and how you got interested in these conversations
0: yeah so um i'm i'm a teacher a math teacher Uh, and a philosophy teacher down around Phoenix, Arizona, and I've been doing it for a couple years. I really knew little to none um, anything really about philosophy uh, when I first started teaching it, and I was essentially self-taught. I'll hopefully um, uh, get a master's, Lord willing, at Biola University in the the philosophy department, but that won't be for another couple of years. But um, I really got interested in the conversations uh, in our Facebook groups, and I started seeing a common denominator, and that was libertarian free will. If you're non Calvinist, you're basically going to leave in libertarian free will, Um, whether it be simple foreknowledge, Molinism, open theism, just basically classical Arminianism. They all basically necessitated or required a sense of incompatibilism or libertarian freedom or something of that that sort. And I I started noticing, like, oh, well, um, I disagree with their theology, but it seems to be at a standstill, I think, at least for me. Uh, The biblical data, I know some Calvinists are gung-ho about the biblical data and the theological systematic, but to me, I started seeing, like, okay, I can see different interpretations for either, for both cases, to be honest. And that's just my own personal, like, my own personal study, I see that. But with regards to the philosophy, I don't think that's the case. I, I don't see how you can wiggle out of uh, the hardened implications of incoherency at, in, at certain parts of libertarian freedom. So with that said, I started digging into it more and more over the last year and a half, and it's been a great ride. Um, so essentially, if libertarianism is false, it seems to me non-Calvinism in general... Tends to be false, and um, really the only uh, robust systematic doctrine uh, that's rooted in orthodox history seems to be uh, Calvinism left standing. So that's kind of how I approach this topic, and I've you know paired off with Stratton on, on debates many many times. So I am a good friend of his, and uh, he's a busy guy, but I hope he has the time to listen to this. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he does. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you and I both spoke with them. I got to, I got to actually got to hang out with them at ETS, uh, a year, year ago, two years ago. Some, some yeah, all ago. that. Um, so, uh, good, really good guy, but uh, definitely, um, some, some areas where, where we disagree. And, and I, and I agree with you that I think if, if libertarian, uh, freedom is false, then, um, then then love is impossible. No, I'm just kidding. Then, uh, then <laughs> <laughs> if, if it's false, then a lot of a lot of these views um, within kind of Christian soteriological views or anthropology just are just are necessarily false because they rely on it. So uh, we'll talk through we'll talk yeah. through some of those. So uh, the article that we're going to be we're going to be talking about, though. Uh, there is a, a Facebook group that you and I are both in, and I had posted uh, a question about, uh, about freedom in heaven to, to libertarians. Um, and then in the subsequent discussion, you had gotten in a discussion with um, the, the gentleman uh, Yoki, I think. I, I think it's how yeah. you pronounce it. Yo, I'm not exactly sure if I'm pronouncing it properly. Sorry. He's, he's a nice guy. I have li- liked talking with him the few, you know, when, when I do, but I'm not sure I've ever heard his name pronounced. Um, he, he sent that to, to, to Tim. Uh, and Tim wrote the uh, the response that we will be going through. So just just to kind of set it up, um, the, the Facebook uh, in, in the Facebook group, that the op that I posted was this. This was the question. Libertarians, will we be robots in the eternal state since we will not be able to sin? Note, if you make a nature or a we won't want to argument, then you're just making the same nature, ultimate desire argument as the compatibilist. Does so. My my basic question is, since a lot of libertarians will say, if if we don't have this libertarian incompatibilist ability to choose, and I'll ask you to to kind of help flesh help me flesh that out a little bit here in a moment, but if we don't if we don't have that, then well well we're robots or we're puppets or we're you know you know mind control or or whatever it is. Um, But if that's the case uh, in heaven, if we're if we're not able to sin, which is kind of the the historic Christian view. Uh, then how is it the case that we're not we're not robots in heaven? And if they make my my secondary point was if they if they make really nature arguments such that such that our nature we won't want to or something, well then they're just appealing to basically. <laughs> Uh, a compatibilistic understanding of uh, of how our nature uh, determines the kinds right. of things that we choose. So um, I, I'm trying to kind of press them between the horns of of, of a real dilemma. So um, that ensued in a further discussion uh, about uh, libertarians. So am I, am I setting up the, the the setup the setup properly for for Stratton's article?
0: I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's decent. It's it's good enough for us to go off of. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay, so 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 Stratton uh, then then gives uh, well, Yoki posts a couple of his his comments and he, and he goes on and, and he and he cites where, uh, you you say something in in the comments and I'll read your comment because it's going to be Stratton only replies to me for a, a short period of time and then he really engages with with your comments. Um, so uh, and by the way, I don't know why I sometimes call him Tim and sometimes Stratton. I. <laughs> I mean them both, respectfully and friendly. By the way, if anyone's if anyone's listening, I don't mean Dr. either of them. Doctor Stratton, Doctor Dr. Stratton, Dr. Timothy. <laughs> I don't know. He a seems like Stratton. a t- Timothy Timothy Andrew Stratton. He seems like a Timothy Andrew. I don't know. Uh, Tim 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 <laughs> Doctor Tim Stratton. Um, you know, we, we 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 mean it respectfully. I, I don't know why I go back and forth. Just force a habit sometimes, I guess. Uh, so so Yoki, posts your comment. Your comment somewhere in the thread um, was if if this is you saying it. If you're uh, you're wondering why the categorical. And here you're speaking of the categorical ability. If categorical is entailed by libertarian free will, Stratton himself concedes this in pages four through five in his book by quoting J.P. Moreland's definition of libertarian free will in which the categorical ability is present. Also, in his philosophical chapter, Stratton uses the categorical all the time. So I'm perfectly within my rights to say that libertarian free will entails the categorical ability. The problem is that libertarian free will, even with that definition, must possess the categorical ability to do otherwise. If that is the case, you must possess the liberty of contradiction, but in heaven you do not. So you do not have libertarian free will. Yoki then asked, so Dr. Stratton, how would you respond to Tyler and Colton? So um, in, in our last recording, again, the, the, the best two hours of recorded uh, audio two. ever in the history of humanity that the world will never know. Uh, we went through and we actually went through line by line, but it ended up being like two hours. Um, so we are going to go through this a little bit more, uh, chunky, <laughs> I can say, uh, in, in sections. So, uh, if you need to pause the audio and go read the article really quick to come back, we'll kind of, kind of assume that you've, you've read, uh, the audio, although we are going to be going through this section by section and mentioning some of the things that he've said, uh, we're not going to go through and interact with everything, uh, that he's said. Uh, but first things first, uh, I wanted to, to, to bring out just one of my, um, pet peeves. I don't know if that, maybe that's too strong. Uh, one of the things that when I read through things like this, just kind of like, uh, like, like fingernails on a chalkboard a little bit sometimes. Um, and, and that's just some of the general problems with some really redundant redundancy in terms. Um, or some very very confusing statements. I know that you have some of these throughout the articles. I'll, you know, I'll pick out I'll pick out my mine as, as just an example, um, but uh, and then let you let you go through because I'm sure you have a few of them. But but mine is in 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 uh, the, the first the first sentence. Uh, in in his second section called the Star Wars thought experiment, uh, he he says, uh, referring to, to to our view um, that you know in my recent paper responding to a philosopher who believes this is this is referring to Guillaume Bignon by the way, who believes that God <laughs> exhaustively causally determines all things all the time. Um, Lol. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> I I mean,
0: go ahead. I Determinism, by definition, because the ism, it means all things all the time. So if he wants to, let's let's be charitable. Maybe he wants to uh, narrow down the scope of determinism. That's fine. It would still be determinism. And within that scope, it would be all things all the time by definition. So let's just say, what if it's like, what if he means like soteriological determinism? So only our salvation can be determined, but everything else—whether or not I pick a blue shirt, a uh, blue shirt or a red shirt, or pancakes for breakfast or bacon for breakfast—all those things are not causally determined. But maybe matters of salvation are causally determined. And don't say uh, non-exhaustive determinism. That doesn't make any sense. Just say soteriological determinism. Yeah, that's all. You- so. Uh, I still think that's incoherent, by the way, but uh, uh, for other reasons that we won't get into. But it's it's this idea that he wants to say exhaustive and non-exhaustive, as if the comprehension ma- or the co- the comprehensiveness like, matters in some way, shape, or form. He himself had been on record, by the way. If you go to the article, uh, can't trick uh, trick God. It's like trick God question mark. Uh, Can uh, Molinism, given Molinism, can we trick God and whether or not he knows what he knows? At the end of the article, he actually assumes and says that Molinism basically is a form of non-causal determinism. Which, I mean, you would agree with that. But, I mean, it just, you, you believe determinism is exhaustive there, so I don't think the exhaustive part matters here. The All things all the time exhaustive, just cut that out and just say causally determined.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's just ridiculous. it's just wild wildly redundant um, and, and also I mean th- this is just kind of a, a thing of mine also is that um, I I usually don't talk about it as, as causal determinism although that's probably technically right in the literature um, but that but that's because it, yeah. it, in these types of discussions when when someone hears causal determinism they mean they they think you're saying something like like hard determinism yes. or where God is the immediate cause um or like the efficient cause of every single thing that happens um, and so I I, I typically try to, to say okay well I mean we can have you know divine divine determinism um, that where God where God is the primary cause of all things but it's not quite causal determinism in the sense that like you know naturalistic materialism would be uh, causal determinism um, where where everything is directly caused by a, an, an immediately prior state so, so to speak um so you know, I, yeah. I I already I already not only is there redundancy, there's already some some uh, some cavi- some some heavy caveating that I would that I would want to make before before going this, um, and I'm not sure that it's accurate to to, to Bignon's view, anyways. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah so that, you know that's that's a um, that that's a, they're, but there but they're, you know kind of riddled throughout this argument, um, and I know that Bignon himself kind of called, you know kind of called. To, uh, Tim to the mat on this uh, kind of called him to the carpet in his review of Stratton's book um, about some, just some of the weird and, and you know, we, you and I both love Tim, but there are some weird ways that he talks about things and some really confusing ways that yeah. he talks about things. What are, what are some of the other examples throughout this article that make it it's sometimes just a little bit hard to even follow his point?
0: the um, Robot analogy. I think would be one of them. Uh, he basically, he, it's hard to follow the point because he smuggles in a lot of things. So he smuggles in the fact that robots causally determined via an external source, sure. But then he shifts that to humanity saying, oh, underneath Calvinism, God causally determines you, I guess, exhaustively, all things all the time, everything about you externally. He determines humans. So somehow, because... Robots are causally determined, and humans are causally determined underneath Calvinism. That makes robots analogous to humans, and therefore humans don't have responsibility, just like robots don't have responsibility. That's kind of the underlying rhetoric that's implied throughout. And um, we'll get more to it when we talk about the Star Wars thought experiment here, but it just does not follow, just automatically. It, It is an undistributed middle fallacy just because robots entail determinism and just because humans underneath Calvinism entails determinism does not mean that robots are analogously the same as humans, in which because robots don't have responsibility, therefore humans won't have responsibility given Calvinism. It right. just does not follow. And Binyan has already responded to this in his easiest chapter in the book, the very first chapter. So I would encourage Tim to actually interact with what he's said there and try to... Uh, <laughs> Stick with the actual literature here, because he's not doing himself any favors by just like spouting this out without real, any real good arguments.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think we'll get we'll get here uh, in just a moment into some of these sections and talk about some. Of the, actually, I mean, let's let's uh, re- really fast. Let, let's 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 read his sure. his response to, to my question, because um, okay. again, it really outside of the introduction he doesn't really answer my question directly he starts engaging with your comments um, so so he, he asked this question so to answer my question he, he says basically um, con- consider the nature of a robot right a robot's causally determined via an external source namely a programmer Romer's not responsible in a he says desert sense but he mean he means desert sense for how a programmer programmed the robots nature the robot does not deserve praise or blame for how the programmer programs all the robot's thoughts, action, beliefs, behaviors, intentions, evaluations, and judgments. These things are not up to the robot if they're causally determined by the programmer. With this in mind, a robot does not deserve blame if an evil programmer programs the robot to rob a bank, either directly or via programming, to have bank-robbing nature. Indeed, it seems intuitively obvious that the robot should not be punished, but the programmer deserves to be blamed and imprisoned. So, the, let me just my, my initial problem with this and then and then you know uh, hear your comments, and then we'll go into the next section because really, he yeah. develops this in the next section dealing with the Star Wars thought experiment. Um, but my, my, my main objection to this is he, it's already disanalogous, right? It, it, we're, we're, you're, you're, it's already disanalogous to compare a robot which just isn't something that we consider to be a sufficiently you know free uh, agent with something like you know guidance control or reasons responsiveness to a person right the, the instant you have a person and we're talking about these questions, we already are talking about an agent so so my, my big complaint whenever when, with this types of thing is it's okay well let's just start off with analogy that's disanalogous and that we all agree. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't have freedom mm-hmm. to begin with, right? Well, well, when when we move the question to persons, we don't have that same agreement as a starting assumption. Um, whereas when yeah. we're looking at robots, we do. Um, and so there 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 are sufficient um, there there are there are substantive differences that make it not analogous.
0: Agreed. I agree. I, uh, I would I would just add that the reason why they're disanalogous is because humans, even underneath. Alvinism, who are determined arguably have self-consciousness and i I think we would say based off biblical data we have self-consciousness regardless of the theological system that we believe is most uh correct in interpreting that data uh and even more arguably self-consciousness is necessary for responsibility well last time i checked robots don't have self-consciousness right so it it I mean, I could just hear them like, isn't your self-consciousness determined? <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, they, they usually say something right. along those lines. Um, I think that goes beyond the scope of this, of this article, so I don't want to inch out too much. But that is an, that is an important point of disanal- uh, disanalogy. Um we have self-consciousness and the robot doesn't. The robot's agency, via programming, to rob this bank... Is through circumventing this, this, any agency that robot would have, let's just say. Right. It's circumventing this identity of the robot. That's why you don't see the robot as a person, because it, it doesn't have any agency to have a personhood. Yeah. But in Calvinism, God doesn't circumvent our agency, He determines through our agency. And so the determining mechanism here matters it matters that's contrary to what stratton wants to try to argue
1: that's right and, and and you could you know in, in these types of things i i you know kind of imagine you know stratton or someone else coming back along and being like ah but what if it's like a sufficiently advanced artificial intelligence where they do have self-consciousness and and so on and so forth well i mean in those types of case in those types of cases i i normally say okay well in that type of case the direct program you're 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 not actually directing programming uh, that type of thing anymore. You've 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 now moved the subject far away from where your thought experiment, from where your analogy yeah. is analogous. Anyways, in order in order to make the subject of, you know, which is in question, either the robot or persons more analogous to each other, you've now moved it away from the causal principle that that you initially wanted to have. Because in the original one, the robot doesn't doesn't have categorical ability, but it also doesn't have conditional ability uh, as a sufficiently, uh, you know, self-reflective uh, agent, um, and uh, or or as you know, one with uh, what you know, called you know his their their God given natureness. Um, they, they don't yeah. have that. And if you want to redefine the robot such that it has those things, well, now it's not clear that it isn't blameworthy or praiseworthy for its actions. Because if it is analogous and how it, 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 it is receiving its nature to how God gives us its nature, then it's not clear that they're not actually free or, or blame or praiseworthy anymore. So the, the thing, the part of the analogy that, you, that, that, that Tim needs to do the heavy lifting for his criticism is precisely the thing in it that makes it not analogous to, to our, uh, our being you know, free agents made in the image of God, uh, even under a compatibilist uh, understanding.
0: And we'll see this even throughout uh, when we get to the Star Wars thought experiment. It, it basically lends, he fortunately bites the bullet of question begging right. in order to make the argument work. He has to beg the question against compatibilism, and then he just, you know, claps his hands, dusts off his feet. Oh, so libertarianism? Okay. Whoa. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. And so, um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. It's just running in circles when he actually tries to do the heavy lifting it doesn't work out for him right
1: well let's let's go to the star wars thought experiment now let's let's move into the, thought, the star wars thought experiment why don't you um why don't you break us break down what the what the thought experiment what what he's trying to accomplish with it um and, and what that that thought experiment what what it is he, he gives like five i think it's five yeah. uh different different cases of, of, of programming uh k2 um, so K two S O or whatever. What by, by the way, maybe this will turn turn off you know half of Tim Stratton's audience from me. I I haven't I haven't really seen uh, many of the of the new the new Star Wars franchise movies, so I, I don't actually know the movie that this is from or the situation or anything. So, but I but I think I, I understand. <laughs> he he states it well enough that I think I know what he's he's going for, even if I don't quite know
0: what. Yeah, it is. So. And- that's That's what I do like about Stratton. He's a good teacher. yeah, he's a he, even though I think he's wrong in almost every single thing, but he's a good teacher and he's a good marketer and he's a good spokesman. Like he's really good in that kind of uh, that kind of aspect. And he does teach it well even though you you haven't seen the movies or whatever. but right. anyways, um, yeah, so his general idea is to try to do the heavy lifting here that we've mentioned. He tries to show that, yes, given a robot, even if given certain conditions on compatibilism, such as guidance control, it's still false. You're still not responsible for your actions. And this is a very, very heavy burden. Why? Because compatibilism, given guidance control, is con- guidance control specifically towards compatibilism, is considered probably the number one gold standard for compatibilism in the sufficiency of how we can have moral responsibility underneath compatibilism it is very robust it is a it's a really strong theory critics are still 20 years later when it first originated around the 90s Twenty years later people are still talking about it and it seems that they still fall in certain aspects Um, maybe not in all aspects but in certain aspects so automatically if he wants to try to show how given something like guidance control determinism still involves uh, no responsibility because we are essentially robots or something along those lines. Again, we're chunking it here. So, sorry, in the first straw manning, but we are trying to chunk it. That is his general uh, strategy to show that God is the programmer, that we are always causally determined, and we're nothing but passive cogs is what he says in that article. right. Right. That's his strategy. How does he do this? How does he do the heavy lifting? He gives five cases. I will summarize very briefly five cases so we don't spend a lot of time on it. He has the five cases in his Free Thinking Ministries articles called K2 Yoda Semi-Compatibilism Responsibility, but uh, that's what it's titled. And it's also found, and he mentions it in the article, it's also found in his Rejoinder to on page 22. Right. And... uh first case, I don't have any problems with. He basically concludes K2 is not responsible for how he was programmed. And I think Calvinists should agree with that. Correct. We are not responsible for how God determines us. We're responsible for um, uh, our actions, even though they are determined. We're not responsible for the fact that he actually determined us. God is responsible for the fact that he actually determined us. So he says, Stratton says, K2, the agent, whatever, is not responsible for how he was programmed. And I think that's true. How God determines us, does whatever he pleases, that's on him. That's his responsibility. So not too big deal. Not too big of a deal here. K2 is a little, uh, uh, case two, it's a little bit more controversial because he tries to bring in the irresistible grace. Um, He basically says, at the very beginning, K2SO was stolen against the droid's will and irresistibly reprogrammed with a new nature. Now to always think, judge, and evaluate, choose, blah, 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 with the goals according to the rebellion. So he's trying to, he uses irresistibly to kind of signify the irresistible grace. Automatically, he begs the question and says, against the droid's will. Why? Why is it against the droid's will? Nowhere in Calvinistic literature, except for maybe Calvin's poor word choice in some aspects, his predestination books and the institutes does it semi allude to the fact that it is possibly against the agent's will very overwhelmingly in the whole reformed orthodox and tradition temporary and modern you get this idea of god determining through the agency not against it this is just a complete misfire of question begging straw manning uh, on Stratton's part, to assume that God irresistibly saves against someone's will. No, it's not against them. It's through a converging will, a converging inner, what I call uh, telos, or teleological or goal-oriented, a convergence of their will towards God's will, where it, such that it becomes irresistible and captivating for the agent to believe what they believe. So automatically uh, case two I think is is just just false. Uh, I, I don't see uh, he misses that mark. well even, case three,
1: even for case two, I mean what, what strikes me about this yeah. is that when when we're talking about the the condition that, that, that K2 is in, um, when it talks about against the droid's will, well, I, I think I think the, the, the purpose of one, is precisely that we agree that K two doesn't have a will, right? That oh we, yeah. We recognize yeah, yeah. that K two isn't isn't uh, isn't free in the sense of having a free will. So then, when you get into case two, I don't even know what it means to say that it was stolen against the droids. What, like, if someone comes in and, and steals my toaster, it wasn't <laughs> against my toaster's will, right? There, there's already there's already kind of this this um, this Slow seeping of concepts, uh, kind of bleeding into to the progression of this thought experiment That's, that I just think is unwarranted.
0: Yeah, and just like what we said, the the disanalogous robot uh, when he tries to press its analogous, but the robot being analogous to a human, um, and the like what we mentioned before, it, it is seeping. It's being smuggled into this thought experiment, and he's not doing the heavy lifting that he. I guess, implicitly promises us. So, yeah, I agree. Um, case three? Case three. Case three, uh, again, I'm abbreviating and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize. But at the end, he basically summarizes saying K2 can think otherwise but cannot physically act otherwise. So here he says that uh, A2 um, can freely think. So although his actions are um, his own, he can transcend this kind of uh, his actions and his formally causally determined program nature is what he says. He can transcend that and think. He actually has a similar thought experiment uh, quoted from William Lane Craig in page five of his book. Um, and basically it's uh if you're familiar with the literature, it's a glorified Frankfurt style example. Yeah. Where uh, you have two cases, you know what we call the actual sequence, where you know, my wife, let's just say my wife comes into the fridge. I want her to choose Coke instead of a nasty Lacroix, and she picks. Uh, she tries to pick uh, a Lacroix. That's what we call the alternative sequence, because then I would switch her to to get a uh, Coke instead. But then in the actual sequence, let's just say she picks a Coke out of her own, if you will, and gives the Coke to me. This is a very uh, watered-down Frankfurt style example, but gets to the point. And this is exactly what he's trying to press here. What disturbs me,, okay, is this: He automatically says, if this is the case, if, if in uh, this Star Wars thought experiment, K2 can transcend somehow some way and freely think and freely choose to act on his own, then K2 possesses libertarian freedom. That's what he says how right like what he, he just jumps there uh, libertarian freedom is literally uh the conjunction of incompatibilism and indeterminism or incompatibilism and some measure of freedom uh and that freedom entails either some measure of alternative possibilities or some measure of sourcehood and in this thought experiment k2 has neither You need to give us a reason for how he can transcend his formally, causally, determined program nature. Uh, He just assumes it, and that's what disturbs me. And even worse, he says that K2 can think otherwise but cannot physically act otherwise. If you want to pose a modified Frankfurt-style example like this, this to me shows his lack of of, um, familiarity with the literature. Thoughts are virtually synonymous with physically acting or actions. And in the literature, you can push a Frankfurt style example past the actions and just into the thoughts. So, to, to, to say that K2 can think otherwise but not physically act otherwise, and then therefore, you know, again, swipe off the dust and say, oh, I think that shows libertarian freedom. No. Because guess what? There's Frankfurt-style examples that are pushed solely in the brain. Paraboom has at least five that I can think of. I don't assume determinism that I pushed in the brain, and yet the agent could not do otherwise. So, where's his interaction with those? Yeah, it, it's, it's I mean, correct
1: that. me if I'm wrong. I, I think he, I think he would just try to point us to his free thinking argument, which uh, I, I guarantee you and I would not find convincing. Um, (laughs) right. So, um, for, for, for lots of reasons, but I think, but I think he would just say, well, you know, I've, I've argued for this elsewhere, um, that, that, that if you're able to freely think then, then you do just necessarily have libertarian freedom. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a couple of the, you know, my, my cheeky response to that is okay. But you know, you, you can't, you can't, if you're making an argument in one paper, you can't substantiate it by arguments and appeals to something you've done somewhere else that isn't mentioned whatsoever in the paper that you're arguing for it in. Right. You, yeah. you, you just can't do that. You can't do that type of, you know, leap of reliance. Um, and, and my cheeky response is, well, then, then I've refuted that elsewhere. So uh, you know um, <laughs> what's good for the goose. Uh, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think there's a, you know, there's a great disturbance in the force of the, the coherence of this, of this number 3. So let's let's move on. Yeah, 4 uh, he basically four.
0: describes guidance control which I'm perfectly okay with and he even concedes he says the the agent makes free thinking decisions seemingly in a libertarian sense. Now, he does concede that the he makes free thinking decisions, but he's he just glosses over it and says, "Oh, libertarianism." Why? He also says, in this case, and this is on page 23 of his rejoinder, I concede, quoting Stratton, a K2 should or at least could, given case four, his description of case four and guidance control, which is inherently a compatibilistic uh, doctrine. Yes. uh, Stratton says K2 should or at least could be held responsible and is worthy of praise. Thank you. You just conceded compatibilism coherency. I appreciate it. Then he says this, right after. This is the case because the droid has libertarian freedom to think. What? Yeah. How does that even remotely fall? Because of what? The Frankfurt style example, which is itself a compatibilistic argument. Well, well, that makes it, no I, sense. I
1: I think in in, in reading this again, I, th- I I I think there's there's a couple problems that lead him to th- to this, right? So you're you're showing in the conclusion. How well, well that just that just doesn't follow. But when when I read back through the actual actual statement of the case, right, so I I know we're trying to summarize, but I want to read his first couple sentences, right? So he says, now suppose that although K2 has somehow transcended his program nature and now possesses the libertarian freedom to think. Because right? he's, already, he's yeah. already assuming that three has gone through and that we say, yes, that's libertarian freedom. But I yeah, think both exactly. of us are like, well, yeah. that's, no, that's not libertarian. He then says he also freely chooses to act in the same – right. so he's, he's, he's showing that confusion between uh, free will and freedom of action um, already. Uh, and, but then he says this is an example of guidance control to which Bignon refers – Well, if you mean that it's libertarian freedom, then no, that's not the type of guidance control that Bignon refers to. And if you mean that it's the kind of guidance control that Bignon refers to, no, that's not libertarian freedom. So he's just he's affirming a and not a left and right throughout this entire section. And so I think by the time you get to the the, what you cited, where he says that I, I concede that he should be responsible and worthy of praise. We're going to say, well, yes, on the guidance control, that's absolutely right. We think, given guidance control, uh, that 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 that's a that's you know that's a sufficient uh, condition for him to be responsible. Mm-hmm. But then when he says, well, this is the case because of libertarian freedom. Well, the only reason you can say that is because you've already begged the question back in the first sentence. You might you might as well collapse all this and say, well, <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know, if K two has been libertarian has, has libertarian freedom, then it is the case that he has libertarian freedom. Which I mean, in that case, we would just say, okay, but now you're just you're just clearly begging the question. Yeah. We don't we don't concede those points.
0: I think Stratton personally, and I mean this with loving uh, respect, he needs to just start over and just go to the actual literature on Frankfurt style examples, because to say that oh I couldn't physically do otherwise, but I can think to do otherwise, so somehow Frankfurt style examples are. I know he probably doesn't say this, but we'll read in the article he's just super confused on Frankfurt style examples basically just says yeah this is libertarian freedom I can think otherwise even in the midst of this infra example and it's just no it I agree with you 100 Tyler it just because he thinks he succeeded in case three he goes to case four and be like oh libertarian freedom yes please oh it, it just does not follow um
1: yeah and he continues on then to describe it's interesting because then he just continues on to to talk about basically K- k2's conditions, are, are, are up to him because he, do, he, he gets to do the, the, the things that he wants to do, right? Which just is the conditional ability we're talking about. But then he says, well, that's yeah. that's basically because he, he has the ability to, to do otherwise. Which is like, well, where in the world did that... Where, where is that in number four?
0: Yeah. And uh, case five is essentially he just smuggles in the uh, conclusion that uh, Yoda would have to force... Uh, or manipulate uh, K2's actions if he was freely thinking. uh, He basically says K2 cannot do otherwise, but he was freely thinking, freely wanting, and freely trying to do otherwise. So if you're familiar with the literature, um, which maybe some of the listeners are, but Stratton should be, and if he's not, then to me that's a really bad discredit on his uh, scholarship. But it's really what he's pressing here is a flicker of freedom. So, there's two main ways around a Frankfurt style example. There's what we call the dilemma defense, uh, posited by Whitaker and Kane, um, which I won't get into, but is very prominent. And the other uh, strategy is called the flicker of freedom strategy. There are some small little alternatives available to the agent, even in the midst of a Frankfurt style example. And I think that Stratton thinks. That those alternatives, albeit small, are his thoughts, his deliberating thoughts. And it's just not the case. You can push the Frankfurt style example back into the thoughts. And even if you did try to come up with some more flickers of K2 being able to smuggle out, uh, wiggle out of this causal determinism and not being able to do otherwise, mentally or physically, those flickers would be really weak and crippled almost not even robust enough for responsibility. Correct. And that is straight out of the literature from John Martin Fisher. So if Stratton doesn't know what I'm talking about, then he needs to read up on it a little bit more, um, which is really disconcerting for me. If he wants to engage philosophically with it, he needs to know more about the literature and be able to cite it. Right. Because I'm not convinced that this is a rem- even remotely um, a-, a good argument or whatever you want to call it. To show how guidance control somehow tacitly affirms libertarian freedom unbelievable it it, it it's just it's just really upsetting
1: right yeah so so let's go back so so that that's the star wars thought experiment right um and and from this from from this thought experiment um he 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 somewhat confuses what my original question was also. Cause my, again, my question mm-hmm. was, was, a was kind of an attempt to be a, a reductio ad absurdum for, for their, for, for libertarian views kind of in conjunction with historic Christian orthodoxy, where we're not able to sin in heaven. Um, and I think he maybe thought that, I, I don't know. I was actually, I, I, maybe he thought I was actually arguing that we were going to be robots in heaven. Uh, I'm not, I'm not actually sure what it, what that, what that was. Um, but he basically argues he says that uh if if edd calvinism again while just strangely redundant uh is true um uh then then every and he, and he has a little a little parenthetical about the early reform original reformers which uh, is also um Pla- plausibly yeah. false <laughs> but yeah. uh but but moving on then every human in heaven every human in hell and every human on earth and anywhere else are always causally determined in every single aspect via the external source god is the programmer okay that's true right so so that if but that's just because if if edd is true then edd is true right it just it just yeah. is to say that if edd calvinism is true that is if a calvinism entails exhaustive divine determinism again just divine determinism um then then it follows that everything everywhere is is exhaustively divinely determined. Well, yeah, that, that follows. That's just definitionally true. But then he says, well, this means that God is the author of evil as he causally determined Satan's original rebellion. Like, well no. no. Right. No. Now now you're back to begging the question of incompatibilism, right? To try to sneak those types of evaluations through. Um uh, and then he says, if, if this view of humanity is not relevantly analogous to robots, it seems to make humans less than robots, nothing but passive cogs at the mercy of the deity of deception, right? Which is, I mean, just overly... Uh I mean, it's just so through the, it, it's not only based on so many false, so, so many, you know, question begging and so many, you know, false uh, kind of implications of evaluation, but it's just so, so wildly inflammatory that, that I'm kind of yeah. at a loss for even how to, how to take a statement like that seriously.
0: Yeah. I don't want to focus too much on the author of Evil Charge. There's a whole book called A Calvinism and the Problem of Evil, which every single author pretty much goes against. Author of evil charge, except for, like, Alexander Press. (laughs) He's, like, randomly in there. Uh, um, Yeah, to me, it's just a non-starter. And I think we said that last time that when you say author of evil, God is the author of evil, given causal determinism or divine determinism or Calvinistic determinism, it's really a a non-starter for us Calvinists because you're never clear. Right. And even if you are clear, you're probably quite, you're more than likely begging the question somewhere. And it's on false like you said, false assumptions already made. So He right. didn't give us, you know, he didn't give us really any evidence for that. So I'm just going to dismiss it without any evidence. And I think that's fine. Yeah.
1: I think that, I think that's good. Um, anything else? Be, I mean, he has another, he has another couple of cheeky comments and begging the question in that, in that section, but any, any, any other th- comments on the star Wars thought experiments and, and robots before we, before we go on?
0: Yeah, I think we, I think we hit it. Um, I would like to go to the other sections okay. and, okay so you so ne- to respond to it then he can respond
1: so next he brings up the the his his three circles <clears throat> um model um I, I i have to say the last time we recorded i i i said that i wasn't quite clear on why this was here um i went reread it again reread the three circles model i, I think i read the three mm. circles two or three times i'm still not clear why this is here <laughs> uh in in this i again you know uh you know I, I think last time you you were able to, to give like one or two little tie-ins, but I'm not sure that you were entirely clear what it does I mean we understand what it says, but last time I don't think either of us were clear on exactly how it moves his argument along. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if you've been able to reflect on that on that more about, I mean yeah, about I, that
0: I think uh, being charitable to Stran, I think there, he's just trying to posit some logical cases in which we could have libertarian freedom in heaven. Um, so he gives, uh, and we on the Facebook post, we actually respond, or at least I do respond to the magnet analogy. Um, he also, uh, gives this model. So I think he's just giving logically possible models in which we could have libertarian freedom in heaven while still having no causal strings. Um, I think that's the general gist. It's kind of just an odd placement. So personally, I would rather just, you know, At the end of this section, skip to his conclusion and uh, go from there. If he really does see like, oh, this is important. You totally missed the point. Well, then I would personally invite him to uh, tell us what are we missing? Um, Why is it so pertinent to your overall uh, objective here in this article? Because we just don't see it. So, yeah, I would agree with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially because the three circles kind of are, are, are meant to explain why they're suffering um, and, and how God could yeah. have like morally sufficient reasons for allowing suffering to bring about some greater good. I'm just not sure that that really explains anything about the, mm-hmm. the nature of freedom that, that the question about heaven gets to. So, um, are you pretty, so, you know, Tim, if you're listening to this, we, I, I mean, we, we've been, we've been reading this, uh, you know, I, I think we probably both read through this a few times. We read through those a couple times and you know, we're we're not. I don't want to. I don't want to strawman you or like misrepresent it uh, or anything like that. So I I'd rather just kind of move past it because I, I, I just I don't know what it does for the argument. Um, to to be honest, um, I I could give some some reasons why I think I, I have problems. With that argument, I did, I did actually yeah. release an episode between our first recording and this one where I talk about some of the problems of libertarian free will as a theodicy, um, and so some of those would, would also be why I find this kind of, the, the three circles, um, not that helpful um, already, but I also don't think it does anything to establish libertarian freedom. Um, so I just, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Sorry, sorry, Tim. I just, I just don't know. I don't. Know. Colton, you have anything else for that?
0: Yeah, I just, um, just reading through some of what he says is, I, I want to respond to it. it. It's just, it's kind of choppy. So, um, tries to make a distinction between our causal determinism or divine determinism and his libertarianism. And he says like, nothing in heaven is causally determining. It's citizens to rebel yada, yada, yada. And, you know, we, we just won't want to sin, um, stuff like that. But I think it ultimately misses the mark of what you are actually trying to argue for. So yeah, I, am okay with just going on to the next part.
1: Okay. So the next, the next section is called, uh, compatibilism rebranded. Um, and, and this, he, he really, he, you know, he, he really wants to try to take you to task, I think, um, in- initially for, for trying to define or say that, um, libertarian freedom just necessarily entails categorical ability. So um, why don't you kind of walk through what his point in this section is and then and then give some of your initial thoughts?
0: Yeah, so his point is essentially to argue that it's not compatible and rebranded in heaven because essentially he's been on record uh, either in articles or in personal correspondence to say that in heaven, we will have the ability to sin. It's just the case that we won't want to sin. Or why would we sin? Because he says, sin is stupid. And he quotes Clay Jones sometimes for saying that. Sin is stupid. So we will be using our momentary aff- afflictions on, on uh, earth. And then when we are in heaven, we're like, we're like, oh, yeah, that was awful. So why would I ever want to do that? Sin is dumb. I won't want to do it. Even though we could do it. Uh, I guess categorically is what he wants to say, but we just won't want to do it. And so that's his general, I think, idea. And he tries to use a magnet analogy um, earlier, and he quote, he links it in there. And I attack that analogy saying that it is simply compatibilism uh, because we are going to be drawn to God. And that is literally compatibilism. We are drawn uh, necessarily through certain conditions, given certain conditions, Right and um yeah that's compatibilism and he says this also misses the mark The uh, magnet analogy that i've offered is not an irresistible drawing as it were um to me that doesn't make any sense because a magnet is irresistibly drawing things so i mean am i lost because
1: uh no yeah i mean um, if, if if i put that's what it means if, so, if, like, if, if i put a magnet with you know kind of sufficient enough strength to draw a piece of metal, um, it, it will be, you know, irresistibly drawing that piece of metal unless there's some yeah. there's some force acting against it.
0: Uh, he he clarifies, though, and I'm thankful he clarifies it requires humans making a free, intentional, knowledge based choice, crossing the line of uh, no return a point of no return. So although citizens of heaven will be causally determined not to sin, let's just say um, they will still be required. Uh, they st- they still required libertarian freedom across the line. So, this is essentially uh, Kevin Tempe and um, Timothy Paul's view, right? Um, where they had—it's called virtue libertarianism—where they had to have some sort of incompatibilistic free will on Earth in order to, um, in order to achieve. I don't want to say achieve, but for lack of better words, basically have or possess this uh, better sense of freedom in heaven. But in other words, they still require libertarian freedom at some point. And that's fine. I'm not going to have any quibbles on it, although I think it's false. And I think Stephen Cohen has given adequate responses to their view. Um, you can search um, faith and philosophy journal articles for that. But uh, he does clarify that's not his view and it's his, just his fallback position. And I think his fallback position is false, given Stephen Cohen's responses. Right. So, um I don't want to get too much into that because he does concede that it's just one possible model. Well, that's, you know, so.
1: the, I, I think that I would, I would like to bring that up because it, the, one of, one of the things that I find uh, interesting in these types of discussions is where someone is willing to, um, you know, kind of, kind of throw out, well, there's this one random possible thing that someone has said somewhere once that might, that might be, you know, possibility it's kind of it's kind of like the what you know what braxton hunter calls you know pinhole thinking of like t-jump where it's like well if i can kind of get through this one little pinhole of a possible alternative explanation but we have no good really reason to think of it so i have i have yes. some i have some major problems with with this view so some of them biblical and some of them kind of an internal critique um and and that is you know the, the biblical one as well i mean it seems bizarre, right? They they would say they, they typically would say, "Well, libertarian freedom is the most free that you can be, right?" So, so, so um, it seems weird to say that we we are we are free in in our in our kind of fallen state, um, but that we become less free in the, in the eternal state where we're glorified, right? So so it's like somehow we're we we are more free the less that we're in Christ. Um, so there's this there's this very kind of backwards trajectory to what I think um, the, the the scriptures teach. The other thing that, that I find problematic for this is that I don't think that um, I don't think that Stratton can with a straight face say this, right? Because even <laughs> in his three circles um, articles, which he links in this, right, he, his his point C is that libertarian freedom is necessarily required for true love. Right. Well, in the eternal state, will we not be in an eternal state of, of loving our God and God loving us? Like, is isn't the point of of, of the the eternal state that God has redeemed a uh, you know a, a bride for Himself to be in an eternal loving state with? Yeah. But suddenly we don't have libertarian freedom, uh, in in that condition. So so is libertarian freedom needed for true love? Well, if if we give up our libertarian freedom once we kind of cross the line and cross the threshold to get into heaven. Then it seems that true love isn't possible anymore in the in the one area where we should have the truest sense of love. So I yeah, I, I just I can't see how Stratton can consistently say that this is even possible given that he says libertarian freedom is necessary for there to be true love unless he wants to say that there's no love in heaven or the eternal state.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's beautiful. I like that.
1: So all right, so keep so keep going. Um, uh, he, he mentions then his, his, uh, his main argument against, uh, against you.
0: Yeah. So he says, uh, I mentioned the conditional and categorical ability. Uh, I think that it, what he's describing is a conditional ability and uh, others, uh, slightly agree with me. Like I said, I mentioned Stephen Cohen. Yeah. And, uh, he says, if one is not causally determined by something or someone else, then they possess libertarian freedom in the sourcehood sense at minimum. Okay, and then he says, it seems that this provides opportunities to exercise abilities, leeway, freedom. But then he says, be that as it may, if for some strange reason this alternative possibilities view is false, humans are still not causally determined by something or someone else, and they possess libertarian freedom in the source sense. First of all, uh, pointed out by my good friend Zach, uh, I believe it's called Reimer. Uh, if he's listening to this, I'm so sorry. Uh, but Reimer, he's, he met Stratton. He's a PhD candidate, uh, I believe, in Oklahoma. And he's a great uh, – he's studying free will as well. He's awesome. And he pointed this out to me. It's just a straight-up Mott and Bailey fallacy. So when one view is pressed, the Mott, which is the, the more strong view of it, so the categorical, the alternative possibilities condition of libertarian freedom – when one view is pressed, you retreat to the the lesser view, the harder, the harder to refute view, right, which is the Bailey. And he does this all the time. So he's like, oh, be that as it may, for some strange reason, this alternative view is false. Humans still are not causally determined because they have the source sense. Not only does Tim Stratton even argue that, his own definition of libertarian freedom cannot even affirm it. Right. So his own definition As argued from his rejoinder on page two he literally says he argues for the stronger the mot version of libertarian freedoms which is what in the literature is called the leeway categorical ability alternative possibilities condition and that condition he says is built in to his definition of libertarian freedom his definition of libertarian freedom I just know it by memory because I've quoted it so many times it's not on the actual article libertarian freedom is the ability, the categorical ability, to choose among a range of options which are considered consistent or compatible with one's nature. So libertarian freedom is the categorical ability to choose among a range of options, each of which is considered to be consistent or compatible with one's nature. He argues that in his philosophical chapter. It literally says libertarian freedom is equals either necessary necessary and sufficient condition for what? The categorical ability. And then he wants to say, oh, when I press that, and then he's like, oh no, no, for some strange reason this alternative possibility to you is false. Humans are still not causally determined. It doesn't make any sense to me. Right. How how like you're just retreating, you're moving the goalposts, is literally special pleading. I kicked, it in the, I kicked the soccer ball in the, the goals, and then he's like, no, no, it's actually over here. You really have to defeat sourcehood. It's not just the case that you have to defeat categorical ability. Don't you know? You actually need to defeat sourcehood. And again, I say this respectfully. To me, it's straight asinine like, to, to, to say that. Yeah. And um, he said, I quote, I tell him that he quotes Moreland's definition of libertarian freedom in which the categorical is present. And he says offering another person's view of libertarian freedom is not conceding anything but i like to note this and this is from his book one of the four points that Moreland quotes on page five of his book is this P has the categorical ability to refrain from exerting his or her power to bring about e event e what does stratton do nothing causally determines p to not do otherwise so to me, I'm like, I don't know. This just seems kind of disingenuous. Why put in brackets and clarify the view that you're quoting if you don't necessarily agree with it? Right. Why? Like, just for a general overview, I guess. But then just be clear. So he says, I made it clear in my book multiple times elsewhere that sourcehood freedom is all that's necessary. Sure, but I'm telling you it's incoherent. So you should know better, Stratton. T says I should know better, which I think is hilarious. He should know better. On page four, he says that, yes, source is all that's necessary. But then on this philosophical chapter, he says libertarian freedom is the categorical ability to do that which is according uh, or that which uh, you have a consistent range of options with. And it's also compatible with your with your nature. He agrees that's the category, especially for, uh, you know, free thinking. So when I say, yeah, libertarian freedom, given that definition entails the categorical he tells me I'm not within my rights to say that, and that he's being misrepresented and being strawman and attacked instead of his position. I'm quoting you, your own definition, Stratton, right. your own definition. What more do you want? Right. So he says, uh, I do think humans occasionally possess opportunities to exercise a categorical ability to think otherwise. Yeah. But not just occasionally, always. Given your modified, uh, I don't even want to call them frankfurt style examples, but Given his modified Frankfurt-style examples, he could always transcend to freely think, right? He could always transcend to freely think. Right. So thinking, it seems, always be present, that you can exhaustively freely think and have the libertarian freedom uh, to do otherwise, categorically do otherwise. And, and to just basically say, no, 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 sourcehood, fallacy, you're, you're just special pleading all over the, all over the place. Um, do you have anything to say before? Um...
1: Well, no. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right that um, that he he does equate libertarian free will with with categorical ability. I mean, you you can see this in um, when when Bignon was on uh, Eli's channel uh, uh, mm-hmm. revealed revealed mm-hmm. apologetics revel, revealed apologetics. Yeah, um, yeah, the rejoinder that that Tim Stratton, Braxton Hunter, and and Layton Flowers did. I mean, they 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 just they try to. T- to rip on apart for even making that distinction, um, and and then they constantly are trying to affirm the categorical ability, right? They, I mean, they just do it left and right. But my, I guess my question for you would be: I mean, is it even the case that the the compatibilist, in order in order to, to to deny libertarian freedom, has to somehow overcome sourcehood, right? I mean.
0: Yeah, it, it's like and,
1: he, it's like he's not aware that there are sourcehood compatibilists.
0: There are. And if he's like, no, there's not. There are John Martin Fisher is one of them. Yep. And Dana Nelkin is another um, great books. Go check them out. Dana Nelkin's I have it right here with me. It's called Making Sense of Freedom and Responsibility. It's pretty short. It's about 150 pages. And guess what, Stratton, has a whole chapter on deliberation, and how you can be causally determined to do what you do and yet still deliberate, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which he doesn't interact with at all. And that's goes against his precious free argument, but more, more to your question. Um, no, because Tempe, who is an incompatibilist, Kevin Tempe, he agrees that com- libertarianism is faulty for the sole reason, get this, for the categorical, the alternative possibilities. Correct. Uh, He says that, and I quote, it's the lacuna position of libertarianism. In other words, it's basically just a turmoil tornado of affirmation. If you affirm libertarianism, you must deal with the alternative possibilities condition. If you don't deal with it, and if you don't defend it adequately, it's going to bring you down. That's why he's not a libertarian, but he still remains an incompatibilist. And what does he say? He says that sourcehood... Actually, entails some sense of alternatives. Get that right. an incompatibilist. He who argues in his free will second edition book, which stratton quotes the first edition, but he should be the second edition because he made a lot of changes. He quotes and says that yes, sourcehood. Although he's a source incompatibilist, Tempe is himself agrees. That in some sense, the agent must have some sort of alternative possibilities to do otherwise in his lifetime. And so what the compatibilist can then do is it's a straight modus tollens. If source entails PAP or or alternative possibilities, then you just negate the PAP. And then guess what? You negate the source that is necessary for responsibility. And what they want to press is what we call the efficient, original, ultimate sourcehood right? So if the ultimate sourcehood entails Pat, and if you negate Pat, like I think Bignon does adequately, or let's just say Fisher or uh, Raviza, then you don't have that kind of sourcehood. And so, yeah, uh, Tyler, uh, his strands backing away from sourcehood here, or sorry, backing away from alternative possibilities and trying to uphold the sourcehood, either way, it's it's a it's a dead end. Okay, so you want to directly go to sourcehood, fine. I it still entails pap, so if you get rid of pap, then you know, you get rid of sourcehood. And guess what? In heaven, you don't have that pap. That's right. So <clears throat> moving on, I say that's the problem with libertarian freedom. You must possess the categorical ability. And if that is the case, you must possess the liberty of contradiction. The liberty of contradiction the term I borrow from Richard Moeller, and he is a, um, he's a reformer, but he does believe in some sense of libertarian freedom or at least argues that the reformed orthodox weren't necessarily determinist or compatibilist.
1: Right.
0: And, um, and that's fine. I'm not going to go on that. But I borrow the term liberty of contradiction. So basically what it means is A and not A. So the liberty of contrariety is A, B, C, D. I can choose between A, I can choose between B, I can choose between C categorically. And then the liberty of contradiction is I can choose between A and not A categorically. And uh, in heaven, we don't have the A and not A. Why? Because we don't have sin. We can only choose between righteous options. So in heaven, we cannot choose the contradiction of righteous options, which is sin. I cannot choose the contradiction to sin in heaven. In other words, I just I can't sin. I can't even choose to sin in heaven. I can only do righteous actions. So right,
1: which if, which 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 causes a problem for for you know libertarian and, and incompatibilist because yes. not only do you not have the, the the ability to do otherwise in the sense of liberty of contradiction, um, but now now you are getting into to, to questions of well, it, if I can only do good things, am I praiseworthy? Right. Why am why am I why am I praiseworthy for doing good things if I could only yeah. do good right? So on, at least on, you know on on their view where they're going to say well you know you're you're not praiseworthy if because you're not praiseworthy if you couldn't choose otherwise right? That's how they try to get around that. That's why try to push the objection. But then if they want to grant well you 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 know you have uh, you have no liberty of contradiction. You can only choose from from good options. It's not clear that that's, that that really is morally significant freedom. Uh, yes, uh, yes, given, exactly. Given, and, and given, and given it, their views, given their view.
0: In my, yeah, in my response to Tim Stratton, uh, I have a section called Responsibility, Ability, and Alternatives. And I try to logically show, based off set theory and mathematics and Venn diagrams, it's it's colorful, it's great. <laughs> and I can share it with you sometime. But okay, uh, yeah. I try to logically show that, given the liberty of what we consider contrariety, like he wants to choose between just good options you know, righteous one, righteous two, righteous three, heaven. And then, given the um, liberty of contradiction, I show that the liberty of contrariety entails the liberty of contradiction. In other words, in order for you to be morally responsible, given libertarianism, what makes something robust, alternatives robust, is the contradiction for you to avoid sin or not. Right. For you to do other than righteousness. And if he disagrees with that, so many times in his book he says you should be able to love God and not love God. Uh, that is, correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler, is that a contradiction? Yes. That's the liberty of contradiction. Right. You can love God and not of God. Right? right. So He even affirms this. And in he- we're saying in heaven you don't have that, so why do you need it on earth? That's right. Bob doesn't even have it. So and he's ultimately free. Why do we need it? Right. Yeah, I mean That's it, what we're trying it's, to show.
1: it's not the case. I mean I say this all the time. Again we we already talked about his statement that you know libertarian freedom is necessary for true love. Um, you know, I, and again, this isn't new with me, but I commonly point out, well, I mean, then that means that God, the father and God, the son don't have true love because it's not that God, <laughs> the father and God, the son could, could choose. They don't, they don't, they don't, you know, they're, they're, they're impeccable. They don't have the ability to choose not to love each other. They just are by nature love, right? Their, their love is, is, is a necessary feature of who they are. That God, God, God is, is a necessary being in his, in, in his attributes, um, and so it just is not the case that they have that that uh, that ability, or, or, or you know, what you call liberty of contradiction, um, in, mm-hmm. in that instance, right? But Stratton and others are going to say, well, that's necessary. Well,
0: yeah, and he he just continues and says, false, 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 as Luke Skywalker would say. Amazing, every word what you just said was wrong, and it's not though. Right. So he says it is not true that one possesses libertarian freedom must possess the con- the categorical ability to do otherwise it's just false i'm sorry stratton dr stratton you're completely wrong here libertarian freedom is the conjunction of incompatibilism and uh determinism you want to hold your indeterminism right by definition indeterminism means multiple possible options because determinism means only one option is categorically accessible to you indeterminism by definition means multiple options are uh, at least two options or more are categorically accessible to you. You want to affirm indeterminism as a libertarian, so therefore, yes, right. Categorical ability is entailed. And incompatibilists agree. Paraboom and Tempe both agree. So Tempe is a source soft incompatibilist. Those who are familiar with the literature. Right. And Paraboom's is on the other side of the spectrum. He's a hard incompatibilist. They're both incompatibilists both scholars in their field and they both agree oh so, yeah. i i i'm puzzled he gives and this is not the end and yeah tyler this is just really just upsetting uh just well, reading before it again, you, just before you
1: go of, to this really upsetting part i, I just want to I, hash <laughs> out one thing that you said um which which is that um uh, I, I think we can demonstrate a little bit more strongly that indeterminism just entails you you've said it a couple times but i think we can show that it entails alternative possibilities because it's me it doesn't mean anything to say that c is indeterminate with respect to e right what it means is c is indeterminate with respect to e or not e right (laughs) if, if you say if you say c is indeterminate with response to e but e is the only possible outcome of c well then, C isn't causally indeterminate of E. C E. C C is causally determined of E because it's the only it, it is the the only possible outcome uh, of C. So in order for something to be indeterminate, it is indeterminate with regard to something or its negation or something else. You have yeah. to have alternative possibilities, uh, or or at least identical possibilities, um, in order for something in order for indeterminacy to even be a thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. I agree, and uh, he. His, I'm using air quotes here, I'm doing air quotations, his support for this outrageous claim that uh, categorical ability is not entailed or is not entailed by libertarian freedom is to cite none other than Frankfurt-style examples. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Wow. I, I am just baffled. I'm at a loss of words. Um. First of all, as, again, I said it before, Frankfurt-style examples are not necessarily intrinsically compatibilist, but they are, by I would say, again, by definition, by their very use, uh, compatibilistic arguments. So the only time you could use a Frankfurt-style example, and I don't think it's coherent, and I'll I'll tell you why in a little bit, the only time that a libertarian can use a Frankfurt-style example is to show that, yes, the categorical ability is not necessarily entailed uh that you could do otherwise uh, or that it, you don't need the ability to do otherwise but yet you could still be um indeterminate so that's what he says uh, these examples show how ex- an agent can possess libertarian freedom and still have the power to act otherwise or still not have the power sorry still not have the power to act otherwise okay so it is not true that one with libertarian freedom must possess the liberty of contradiction. And that's just false. And you know who agrees? Kevin Tempe, Tempe yeah. who's an incompatibilist, and he has argued extensively against these Frankfurt libertarian types. Those include Zygzebski, Stump, Hunt, and none other than William Lane Craig himself. Right. So it, it they just it doesn't work. He actually argues that you can always find an alternative possibility, a weak flicker, as Stratton was seemingly implicitly trying to to sneak in there in his Star Wars thought experiment, a weak flicker, you can always find one in the Frankfurt-style example. Right. And if that's the case, then libertarianism holds as it entails the categorical ability. Right. And Jan himself agrees, which is... Pretty shocking. Well, what's what's so,
1: interesting, and, and you mentioned this in, in moving the goalposts, and and is that when you're having you know these these debates and these conversations with someone, um, very you know, e- even when they start, okay, well you know Frankfurt examples, even if when they start kind of buying into it, and you say, okay, but you know, so 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 why is compatibilism false? Why are you an incompatibilist? And they'll go to sourcehood, and then you can point out. Well, I mean, sourcehood. Like, I could be a sourcehood compatibilist. You, you, you haven't demonstrated why. Exactly. You know, sourcehood entails incompatibilism. That it will always go back to. I, I, I you know, I, I'm sure there's you know a, a random rare example that it doesn't, but it will always, always, always go back to these analogies to robots and to to you know to and, like that. and you didn't really have yeah. a choice otherwise. It, it will always fall back on. Um, this this inability to, to choose otherwise this this lack of categorical ability so so even if he says well libertarian freedom you know you, you you can't say that it must possess categorical ability when you actually press them to give a reason why they're incompatibilists uh you know I, I mean I would I would push even Tempe and others on this when you push why they're incompatibilists it almost always goes back to you know when push comes to shove ten you know ten yards upriver. to to a lack of categorical ability.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And that's why I don't agree with Tempe, ultimately, because at least he's honest, though, with his position, that even his own position does entail category, uh, the categorical, does entail some sort of alternatives. Right. He just doesn't see them as robust. So at least he has the uh, intellectual honesty of saying that, yes, you're right, it sourcehood entails some sort of alternatives, but those alternatives are weak, and so we should be instead not libertarians, but rather we should be uh, source and compatibilism, source and And I think this is the correct move for the libertarian here. But because of the free thinking argument, and because of his definition of, altern- of of libertarian freedom, Tim's kind of stuck with this leeway ability here. Right. Uh, ironically, um, it, it's just it's really upsetting to to, to see. To me, if he wants to posit the Frankfurt style examples here, yeah, it's it's just so, ugh. right. It's yeah, just so I, gross, and I would just go back like, to it's gross.
1: It is. It is a little bit. I mean, I would go back to Tempe and then say, you know, well, I mean, you know, a, a, someone who holds to a conditional ability could say that that uh, that sourcehood entails, you know, other other possibilities in the conditional sense. Right, so 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 you you know you need to actually argue yeah. why sourcehood entails these kind of categorical alternatives, right? And not you know because yes. if, if it entails conditional you know uh, alternatives, then it's perfectly compatible with the term. It, you know, it could just be a perfectly fine compatible. That's not necessarily the position I hold, but that that's. You're now you're now completely opening the door to to compatibilism. I mean, this is this is a, a lot of, you know, uh, Fisher and Ravi's uh, criticisms of other views and beyond criticisms of other views, um, which, which is just that when when pressed to give examples of their principle at work in order to give robust examples, what they describe actually is just conditional alternatives, um, not exactly. actual categorical alternatives, while they're at the same time trying to say, well, you know, it does entail these other these other categoricals. But then, to give examples that work, they just give conditional ones, which we say, "Great, we agree with that." Those that, but that's, but that's conditional ability. That's not categorical ability.
0: So he concludes saying it's just logically consistent to affirm that one can possess the categorical ability to sin, and or not to sin for eternity, and never freely choose a sin. And no, it, it's not, because what you're doing is positing the the conditional ways. He wants to try to escape the conditionality here, but there is a condition in there. Correct. You do not have the categorical ability to sin and not sin. All things in and of yourself, all things in and of your glorified self, your glorified body. uh, You want to say that you still have that ability? No, that's not the categorical anymore. It's now the conditional. That's correct. We have been affirming all along, so thanks. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, he wraps up and he says, but even if I'm wrong about the broad abilities and opportunities, we are still not causally determined like robots, but some by something or someone else. I mean, we agree you're not causally determined like robots. That's fine. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) Thus, the view I offered is far different than a compatibilistic view that assumes that we are exhaustively causally determined by God. Well, no, it doesn't. Right. So we, we agree with the initial statement. We're not causally determined like robots, um, but we don't think that, therefore, your view follows, right? That that that's that's that okay. old that's that old error. You know, a, a lot of provisionists will do this. Uh, you know, just to, you know, to, to take a shot at provisionists, uh, they'll they'll say things like, "Well, you know, Calvinism is false for A, B, and C reason, therefore, my position is proven true." Well, no, that's not even if Calvinism is false, it doesn't follow that provisionism is true, right? So so mm-hmm. even if even even that we aren't causally determined like robots. Um, it doesn't follow then that the, the the position that he offered is wildly different than compatibilism, uh, or, or or that libertarian freedom is true. So that that just doesn't that that sentence just doesn't even logically follow. Mm. Uh, and he ends with "stay stay reasonable," um, his normal sign out, and I would say "stay reasons responsive."
0: <laughs> yes,
1: so. love it. All right, cool. Well, uh, did you have any other any other thoughts or comments that uh, we didn't quite get to about about the article?
0: No, I just um, loved him. He's a good brother in Christ. Uh, I just I know it's cliche, but I, uh, he is wrong in many areas. Um, he's fighting the good fight, and that's all personally for me. All I can ask for a brother. So we'll continue and. Uh, sh- you know, sharp and iron, I guess together. But um, I think he really lacked it in this in this article here.
1: Yeah, I I I, I agree. All right. Well, thank you again uh, for joining, Colton. I appreciate uh, your discussion. We'll have to have you again uh, on here talking about uh, some some other topics that uh, our audience might find find
0: interesting. Sure. Thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah. Absolutely. It.
1: And hey, uh, I, I'm actually um, uh, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to find some some people. Um, I, I'm doing a review on the, the YouTube channel, more on the apologetics side of the ministry, um, going through and responding to John Loftus' book, um, again, The Case Against Miracles. Um, I'm not very far in. I actually i I'm, am I'm, I'm going to hopefully record this weekend uh, on, on chapter one. I've gotten through the, the preface and the introduction, but uh, on, on chapter one. Uh, but, if, but if you want to, I can, I can send you over that. And if you want to be one of the, uh, the respondents on the YouTube channel, be on video so everyone can uh, see your face. Uh, we can we can get you that so you can you can be one of the uh, the people to be in I'm trying to get a, you know kind of a different person to discuss a chapter with me for every chapter
0: Yeah, just let me know. All right, awesome. I'd love to.
1: All right, well thank you again for joining if anyone wants to uh, to find out more of uh, you know hear you on any other shows or anything you've written or anything where can 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 people find you anywhere?
0: Yeah, so I'm in the free thinking discussion. Um, I believe I'm part a member there. Yep. And other um, private Facebook groups, uh, that but they're public, so you can, um, public as in you can, you know, um, send in your questions and answer the questions and go into it. So I am on Debating Theology Facebook group, um, Sociology 101, which is Leighton Flowers group. So I'll be on there just here and there. I am currently in uh, the process of writing a massive response to Stratton, as I mentioned, and it is big, uh, <laughs> cheekily. <laughs> It's titled, A Brief Philosophical and Dialectical Inquiry on Mere Molinism, which is what you know, Stratton affirms. And right now it's about at 110 pages. So um, hopefully I'll have that done by the end of the summer and then I will post it as a PDF if anyone is interested in reading that.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely be interested in reading it. And then uh, as I told you in our in our first recording, um i i i always am, am open to people sending in audio uh of them reading their own uh papers or articles or anything like that this would definitely be something that people are, are interested in so you can you can definitely record it and uh put it out as kind of supplemental episodes here on the free thinker podcast as well
0: yeah. sure shit sure.
1: All right. Well, th- uh, thank you again for joining. As always, if uh, anyone in the audience have any questions, comments, uh, concerns, commendations, or condemnations, please feel free to uh, email me at gmail.com. You can visit the blog, freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com. For apologetics material, head on over to The Freed Thinker on YouTube, or why not join the conversation and join in at The Freed Thinker group page on Facebook. Thank you again for joining. Good night. God bless, and stay reasons responsive.